0: So, our good friend Bob Stahl sent me a story today which seemed really useful to share, so I'm going to start with that. A man sat at a metro station in Washington, D.C., and started to play the violin. It was a cold January morning. He played six Bach pieces for about 45 minutes. During that time, since it was rush hour, it was calculated that a thousand people went through the station, most of them on their way to work. Three minutes went by, and a middle-aged man noticed there was a musician playing. He slowed his pace and stopped for a few seconds, then hurried up to meet his schedule. A minute later, the violinist received his first dollar tip. A woman threw the money in the till, and without without stopping and continued to walk a few minutes later someone leaned up against the wall to listen to him but the man looked at his watch and started to walk again clearly he was late for work the one who paid the most attention was a three-year-old boy his mother tagged him along hurried but the kid stopped to look at the violinist finally the mother pushed hard and the child continued to walk turning his head all the time This action was repeated by several other children. All the parents, without exception, forced them to move on. In the 45 minutes the musician played, only six people stopped and stayed for a while, and only one recognized him. About 20 gave him money, but continued to walk their normal pace. He collected $32. When he finished playing and silence took over, no one noticed it, no one applauded. No one knew this, but the violinist was Joshua Bell, one of the best musicians in the world. He played one of the most intricate pieces ever ever written with a violin worth three and a half million dollars. <laughs> three days earlier, Bell had played to a full house in Boston Symphony Hall before his playing in the subway, where fairly good seats went for a hundred dollars. This is a real story. Joshua Bell playing incognito in the metro station was organized by the Washington Post as part of a social experiment about perception, taste, and priorities of people. The outlines were, in a commonplace environment, at an inappropriate hour, do we perceive beauty? Do we stop to appreciate it? Do we recognize the talent in an unexpected context, gauging people's perceptions of quality, one being distinctly better than another simply by way of presentation, subway versus symphony hall. One of the possible conclusions from this experience could be, if we do not have a moment to stop and listen to one of the best musicians in the world playing the best music ever written, how many other things are we missing? So that's a... Maybe I could stop. We could just go home (laughs) now.
1: That's really
0: enough of a Dharma talk, really. You know, you don't need anything else other than that. But what was so fun to see was this is, of course, the whole premise of the Buddha, is that we are missing things. And we are not seeing clearly. And so all of his teaching, the Wheel of Dependent Origination, all of these many, many other teachings, this practice that we do so carefully, is all about what happens if we slow down and start giving our attention. It's, a, it's an amazing thing to think. Just think back over your day, you know. How many things might you have missed? How often do you, like I, find yourself hurried and rushed you spend hours at the computer email after email and as fast as you send them out they come back in and then you get in one of these cycles where somebody's sending them back to you as fast as you're sending them out to them and you're having a whole conversation and you're just blue and there's not much else that you're seeing you hardly even seeing you're not even seeing your own body or your own self and we move fast and we drive fast and we're very very Organized or not so very organized, but we're still moving very fast, and we just don't stop to see. And so something quite amazing could be happening, and you won't notice. It's always a wonderful moment. I had one of them, actually, at the retreat last week. I was walking up to my dorm, and somebody was standing there, Looking at a crack in the sidewalk. I have no idea actually what this person (laughs) was utterly fascinated by, but she was utterly fascinated by something that was there in the ground. I don't know if it's a plant or a flower or bugs, or it's often bugs. Ants will do it a lot of the time. And people, because we're moving slowly, suddenly go, Oh, look, this is fascinating. I know once at Spirit Rock for me, it was going by a deer and realizing that the inside of the deer's ear was the most beautiful pink. Now, I ask you, mm-hmm. how often do we stop to look at the inside of the deer's ear? We don't, do we? We're, we're, it's You see the deer, oh, look, there's a deer. And then it's gone. You know, you're moving so fast. So. One of the interesting questions... I I thought of a number of, of ways that, over the years, I've learned to slow down and to look at my experience, to try to look at my experience in a somewhat different light. And one of the things that came to me was that was the quite a considerable amount of dream work that I've done over the years... And then I remembered a question that one of my early therapists used to ask me. And she would ask, you know, well, what if you dreamed this, you know, this particular thing that happened to you? What would it be about? Why would you be having this dream at this particular moment? And I actually thought it was a wonderful question to ask about this story, you know. Mm -hmm. Supposing each one of us had had this as a dream. You know, there you are, you're going to work, you're in a hurry there's this guy playing the violin, you zip on by, you know, you don't pay much attention, or maybe you see the people, maybe you put money in, maybe you pause for a minute, but then you drag your kid along. And, and then you find out later, you know, this was one of the world's great violin players, and you missed it. I mean, you missed it, imagine, you missed it. So, who are all these different parts in ourselves, you know, to, to pause long enough sometimes in our experience to go, well, hmm, you know, what do I know about that which hurries? What do we each know about that which hurries? That's what the Buddha is asking us, you know. Where, where are we in so much of a hurry that we don't, we're not even present in our own lives? You know, Jack Cornfield used to like to tell, maybe he still does, the story about a friend of his who brought a sign back from Vegas, helped himself to the sign probably, and the sign said, "You must be present to win." You know, so that's what this story is really about. If you're not present, if you're not fully there, then how? Then we lose, really. And and then I continued to think, well, you know, I know, you know, what do we know each one of us about that child? Isn't it interesting that the children kind of got it? The the children knew that something really unusual was going on. Now, I doubt that any of these three-year-olds knew that it was Bach or probably didn't even know that it was a violin. I don't know. Maybe some of them did. But they were really drawn to the beauty of the experience, and they really, really wanted to stop. And it was the moms that kept pulling them along. And so, you know, to consider that for ourselves, where do we... what is that in us that is kind of curious and you know some of you several people in the room sat the retreat last week that we had so everybody who was at that retreat somehow wanted to slow down enough to do it and that's not that the rest of you didn't you know you may very well have or you may have plans to go on retreat soon but we all of us have that place that somehow goes oh I want to stop I want to see what is happening and of course the the biggest question in that is what is happening? What is this? You know, that's the Buddha's question. What is this event that calls itself a human being? And what happens when we stop to consider our experience in a in a very slow and considered way? And and then, as many of you know, there the Buddha goes on to describe in all of his teachings the different things that you begin to see. You begin to see the nature of your own struggle and suffering. And you begin to see, really soon, how incredibly impermanent everything is. And then you begin to see that that which we take to be solid and separate, the self, isn't. And it's really interesting to consider the factor of speed in not seeing those things. That when we're going so fast... We don't have time sometimes, sometimes even to notice the pain, let alone the struggle. You know, I was telling people at the retreat that at an early beginner's class I taught years and years ago, somebody said, I've never forgotten it, she said, I did not realize how much pain I had in my body until I started to do this practice. Isn't that interesting? You just don't feel it. And we certainly often, as we're moving along really fast, get the notion that it's kind of, it's all important, right? It's really important. Whatever it is all those emails are about, it's really important. It's got to be done. It's got to be done now or preferably yesterday. And it, it gets a kind of um, solidity and permanence that isn't necessarily true. And then, you know, when we... Um, often when we take a break, a, bit, a long vacation or a retreat, and then we come back and it all looks a little different. Sometimes its importance isn't so much. Or we see, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's just here for now, it's going to pass. And we certainly begin to see that this thing that we take to be so solid isn't. So we are encouraged over and over again to find ways to see clearly. I said at the beginning of the sitting, perhaps before some of you came in, that the word Vipassana actually means to see clearly. The Buddha was inviting us to see clearly. And that when we practice this very simple, very difficult practice of sitting down day after day, week after week, giving our attention in-breath, out-breath, the posture of the body, the things of the mind and the heart. What is it that you notice? Look again, look again, look again. And you know, there's never a point, or at least I haven't gotten to it, where your teacher says to you, okay, now you're done. You don't have to practice anymore. You've seen everything there is to be seen. And one of my teachers, one of my really beloved teachers, who I consider to be an extraordinarily realized person, said that one of the things he loved about the practice was there was always more to see. So you go, you know, you see a lot, you really have insight into some of these things, and then he said there's just more to see, or you see it at a deeper level or a much bigger level. And that reminded me, I was talking with Michael before, as we all came in about my current astronomical love and i've been thinking a lot as if maybe some of you have about the hubble in the last weeks you know there it is up there being fixed and one of the things i've been thinking is i'm 67 some of you are as old as i am maybe a bit older a lot of you younger but you know when i was a kid we had no idea what was out there not much we thought there was a galaxy I guess, I don't remember even much talk about that you know, it was sort of a big deal that, that Galileo and all had figured out that the world wasn't the center of the universe we were still back with him and then, you know all these amazing ways of seeing came into being and now you see some of these images that go back in space and time hundreds of millions, billions of galaxies out there as big or bigger than the one we live in what is going on what is going on it is so astounding so it's interesting to me in the story that here was this amazing musician playing this incredibly wonderful violin And, and even that fits with with um what the Buddha is pointing toward because he's saying, if you look carefully, if you look with the most extraordinary perception you can bring to bear, the things you will see will be astounding. And he pointed very much to this this awake place in our own being, to our own Buddha nature, if you will. So who knows, you know, how many, you know, billions of galaxies there are in there as well as out there. We don't know, and um, it's a very wonderful question to consider that whatever it isn't just your breath. You know, it's not just your body. That's what we do. That's the the stuff of the practice. But what we actually see is is vastly more important and more amazing than that. So I had actually really come here thinking I would take practice questions, but I also realized at some point I was going to get into a little riff on this story. So I think that's enough from me. I'm going to stop there, and maybe you have questions or comments, and we'll continue the talk together. Yes, please, John.
2: Could you email that to us? That story. Um. (laughs) What? (laughs) Another email.
0: Well, the question is the us, right? Um, I, I have a hunch, we're reluctant to post stuff on the website because of copyright issues, but I have a hunch that this might not have that particular... It was on NPR.
1: Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah, you yeah. might you might just do a search for no, um, Joshua Bell. Bell on the subway or something. Oh, okay. Joshua
0: yeah. Bell on the subway plus Bach. Bach. That will probably do it.
3: I think there's a video posted
1: someplace. <laughs> ah. So if you search. Oh,
0: that uh, you, there, you there we
1: go.
0: Okay. How about some Dharma questions? However? <laughs> My, please. I
1: see. 21 years, and um, the story immediately made me recall an incident where a mother of my son's friend, one wintry day when the ground was really covered with ice, was downtown and fell and broke her hip, and she lay on the ice for some time. And people Mm -hmm. on the way to work was saying, "Hurry, pastor." maybe thinking she was drunk or crazy <coughs> or whatever, just dismissing her until finally an old woman approached her and asked her what was going uh-huh. uh-huh.
0: That's people. a wonderful addition. Thank you. Because that's, I mean, it's sad, but it's yeah. also that, that very important place about <coughs> stopping slowing down and seeing is that that's also what allows us to see suffering and if we're mm-hmm. in a hurry it is so easy to zip on by consciously or unconsciously mm-hmm. yeah and you know one of the so I'm going to riff a little more and then I'll get to you one of the fruits of the practice so the, or the wings of practice are considered to be the wing of wisdom the wing of insight and then the wing of compassion And both of them arise when we see clearly. And so it's kind of wonderful that it was an old woman. She'd probably been around for a while and maybe couldn't move too fast even, you know, so she noticed. Please.
2: You know, um, I I was listening to the story as as you, uh, as written, and my feeling is that it lacks compassion for the subway riders.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Uh I grew up in New York City. I rode the subway yep, high me school. Too. Yeah. And there's a beauty to the flow of Absolutely. where you're going. And I have seen presidential candidates Try to shake people's hands during rush hour and be yelled at and shoved out of the way <laughs> with camera crews watching uh-huh. because you're in the way and I'm going to work. How could I possibly listen to you now? And it's it's very easy to score points at these oblivious commuters. Mm-hmm. But I know <laughs> that when I ride the subway, I'm in a flow and I'm enjoying the ride. Mm-hmm. And frankly would a retreat of Buddhist monks appreciate Joshua Bell coming in and playing his violin? Or would he be interrupting?
0: Well, that's a very good question. And there's there's
2: a reason why we put things in context. Had Joshua Bell been put in the subway when the subways weren't running because there was a problem and people were stuck on the platforms, everyone would have noticed. If he had gone to an airport terminal where there's a lot of sitting and waiting, people might have noticed more. I so actually had that happen. It was a, a Bach quartet in Chicago O'Hare. Yeah. Everybody watched it. It was just amazing. <laughs> so,
0: so sometimes we do stop but that's exactly the Buddhist point and I appreciate what you're saying yeah, I'm a happy black New
2: York black I'm, black I'm black a happy I'm a happy
0: New York subway writer I love the subway yeah. and um, and I still think the point of the story whether whether you take it to be the entire description of New York subway writers or not or whether you take it to be yeah. utterly pejorative. I don't think it is. I think it's what it's really showing <coughs> is what it's an interesting question. What happens when we have something of extraordinary beauty and we don't catch it? And maybe there's good reasons that we don't catch it, and maybe there aren't. And and so that, that's just the question I think for each one of us to ask ourselves.
2: The thing I took from it is I want to Go through life allowing space for my inner child to stop and listen to the
1: violin. Yeah.
0: And actually, Christopher Titmus taught a retreat once that I sat at, and every morning he played music. And it was wonderful.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, you know, I think we could. its Music in the Buddhist world is a whole conversation that we don't want to get into tonight. Be, as as Buddhism comes to the West it's sorely lacking and it needs somehow to arrive um, I keep hoping but Henry
3: so um, it's interesting you talk about slowing down so when I was sitting uh-huh. a couple of um, well, I had a busy day and then a couple of things kind of came into my mind during the day you know one was a discussion I had with somebody you know, the other one was a meeting and I realized that by slowing down, I was all of a sudden hearing more about what was happening in the discussion. Ah, I would, would have been probably in a better, it would have been a better situation with some bright speech in one situation and like, mm-hmm. some good listening in another situation. So I think that was just caught in the moments there, but maybe a little yeah. slowing down would have been a more effective um, discussion with that one person and participation and, meeting you and um, kind of.
0: I think that's a great comment and I've certainly I bet a number of people have had that experience where you you go to sit you're you know filled with the stuff of a day or the stuff of an argument or something and you've got a maybe a position or certain things have happened that you know you saw it one way and then in the slowing down and sometimes I hate that moment because often it's a moment where I have to I have to get it that I'm wrong you know and you go oh Oh, and then, you know, if you're going to stay with it, then of course what often then comes is, well, what am I going to do? You know, there's some need for some skillful action here. Yeah. Yeah. Please, John.
1: I just wanted to um, toss in something that I just got from a retreat I just sat at. Um, I had the pleasure of doing 10 days um, a couple of weeks ago which I have to recommend to everybody, but a lot more fun than I expected it to be. Mm -hmm. But in the transition back, um, I didn't want to simply plug back in to the lifestyle, Mm -hmm. because looking at my life from that vantage point, I could see that through the strategy of making the commitments that I make, I make it impossible or unlikely Mm -hmm. to slow down enough to have time to listen to a violinist in a subway. Uh Uh And so I'm... just sharing the idea of changing strategies so that I don't time everything down at the last second so that there is room to stop for the moment for the roses as they go by and so a a shift of how you structure your life can help your practice a great deal because there's room to be mindful mindfulness takes time yeah it does Mm
0: -hmm. sometimes when people say you know will it change my life the answer is yep it will (laughs) Sooner or later, you, you have to change if you're going to do this practice. I call that house of cards scheduling, where everything is so delicately balanced that the, you, everything has to fall into place, and the minute it doesn't, it's not good. Please, Mark, and then Tom, I see you.
3: I can't let the opportunity go by to not comment about a musical thing here. I have to say is... It's a wonderful story, and, and it's clear that it's got Dharma implications, and that's what the Buddha said, you know, that it, there are things of that much beauty every place, and it's not just that it was Joshua Bell, I mean, I've been in that particular subway mm-hmm. stop, and it's not a good place to play, and by the way any busker could have told Joshua Bell, dude, that's a crappy place. You want to find some other place to play, nobody's gonna stop there. <laughs> but even even given that, you know, it's like if an injured person was there, that's no less a treasure just
1: to uh, have in front exactly. of you.
3: And I think that's the, the real um, question is is are you in a place in your life where you're able to slow down? Uh-huh. And as you said, the subway is not a place. To break the rhythm, because yeah. mm-hmm. that's that's what's required there. Mm-hmm. And I guess I also have to say that that um, just in the, you know that is a crummy place to hear music. You know, it's a Stradivarius and the acoustics there are awful <laughs> <laughs> You know, and here's my plea: go to a
1: concert. You know, get, you know, take the time to hear the music. Yeah. Go to a yeah. concert. Yeah. And support the right livelihood
3: of musicians and hear it in a place where you can hear what the sound of those instruments is, and when you where you can hear the entire piece of Bach, which is this phenomenal thing that's a natural conception in itself.
1: Okay. <laughs> Tom, <laughs> you had something? Well, I guess I have a question. Somebody like I don't even know. The guy I mention, Mario Andretti, the race car driver. You know the uh-huh. Indianapolis Five Hundred, or whatever. I mean, isn't somebody in that position incredibly present? Yes. So where does that fit into this?
0: He's very incredibly present because he is intentionally, for a short period of time, going incredibly fast. Very good idea. Because if you're not oh, incredible, you know. I actually, it's an interesting question. Last night, my husband and I were at our a ballroom class that we go to. We were doing East Coast swing, and it's one of these things where you know everybody dances with everybody else. And a couple of times, I sort of spaced out and started to think about something else. Bad <laughs> idea.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Got to stay right there with what you're doing right then. You know, if you're in those kinds of situations. So yes, of course there's absolutely a time when you would be moving fast and you should be very present. Maybe tonight on your way home on the freeway would be a good idea, for example. But then there are other times when we don't have to go that fast. And so knowing, you know, when to get on the subway, be part of the flow, get to where you're going. You know, when I first was... I went back to New York, I did some of my growing up there, and then I went to college there, and I remember my father saying, now, don't look at anybody, just you know, <laughs> kind of keep your eyes down, get where you're going, don't... Mm, mm. And it worked. You know, it worked. So it was maybe skillful under those circumstances, and there is the wounded person sometimes, or the thing of beauty, and how do we stop, and what gets us to stop and notice. Yeah.
1: And we to know
2: and the wisdom mm-hmm.
0: to know the difference. Yeah.
2: I, I think that the, the mindfulness is in realizing that we have a choice and making yeah. a, a deliberate choice. Mm-hmm. And I know that so often I'm on my track, you know, and I'm not really making a choice. that. You know, it's like I'm, I'm kind of compulsively driven. I'm going to be on time when it doesn't really matter. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I could take the 30 seconds to do something else that would be pleasurable, nurturing, etc. But it's by not really questioning: Do is there a real reason why I have to be there on the money? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, and and you have to you have to be present to make a
1: choice.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point, Leela, You'd it be the last one.
1: It would have been interesting to have had some way you to know how many of the people who kept the flow actually heard. Mm-hmm you will never know that because mm-hmm. I know there are times where I was like
0: you don't hear by,
1: but there's something that it's like an, oh. and I <coughs> you know and then there's other times where I'm in that autopilot um, beside myself is kind of how I think mm-hmm. but there's times where I'm in myself meeting those obligations and I could, I could hear or I could see or I could experience
0: One of the other things that Jack likes to say is that Vipassana practice is not an out of the body experience. Your comment about beside yourself—so often we are beside ourselves—and it's—and he likes to say it's an in the body experience. How to be fully present, fully here, whether you know we're listening to music wherever we listen to it, um, or or seeing that which is. Deeply wounded in ourselves or in others. So, all right. Let me make a few announcements, and um, let's see. Maybe the first. The first is that we are seasoning four new board members, and that means they've been nominated. They will be seated unless one of you finds some reason to object. So if you hear somebody's going to be on the board and you think this is a really bad idea, you can let me know. Bill Cullman in the back is a board member who's here. I <coughs> Are you the only other one tonight? I think he is. Yeah. And so they are Lael Ambrose, who's right down here, so you can look at her and see if she looks suspicious or <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> Um, Chris Basiletti, who helps with our webpage a lot. Michelle Montano, who's often here with her husband Axel on Thursday nights, so you might recognize her. And Leslie Tremaine, who often sits here as well on Thursdays. So that's the four of them. Um, Two weeks from tonight, well actually one week from tonight, let's do this in order. A week from tonight is our sort of beginner-friendly first Thursday of the month. And we have a need for cookie donna because we serve tea and cookies. So um, we have a sign-up sheet for um, four months, and there's still two. One is next week and one is in July, and we only have one person signed up. So the pickings will be slim unless some of you come and put your name on and bring some cookies. You do not have to burn your fingers and make them from scratch. We've had some fabulous cookies that have come from all kinds of wonderful places. So um, whatever kind of cookies you bring will be gratefully received. So that's that. And I'll put it, actually, why don't I give it to you? Julia's got it, so you can. And then two weeks from tonight, we are celebrating Vesak. And that's the celebration for the birth, enlightenment, and death of the Buddha. Um, We have a potluck at 5.30. We have our celebration beginning at 7. You're invited to bring your Buddha images for the altar and some flowers, please, if you would like, uh, for part of the ritual. Um, And then we're going to have an adoption table for people who have extra Buddhas. So if you happen to have an extra Buddha image kicking around your house that's been in your closet for a while, and you would like to see it have a good home, you can bring it, and maybe someone will take it home. We think this is a, worth trying, anyway. We will also, that evening, be honoring Carla Brennan, who has taught with us for a number of years, and um, actually the retreat was her last teaching. And so bring a card for her and a note of thanks, please, if you'd like. And then also all the teacher Donna that evening will go toward her and towards... Launching her in her next phase, and then the only other thing I want to mention: there are a bunch of new flyers out. But um, I am teaching at the end of the month with my husband Russell Atkinson, um, a a day long on our wise relationship work. Diana has done that work, Diana and Mark, and um, Bill has done it. And so, if you want questions about, you know, to answer that, you can they'll tell you. But this is just a day. Um, and you do need to register so we are happy to have people in serious relationships any flavor of relationship any gender, any age have I left anything out y'all come just sign up please okay I think that's all that needs, please tables Tables, thank you. She said, please announce. I said, please remind me. We do, for the potluck, need some extra card tables. If you have one, you can bring Bring it any sitting between now and then, including them, and we can stack them back in the back side of the library and um, it's helpful to have for seating for the potluck.
1: Um, what about an extra long table? Yeah? Yeah, great. Um, I just want to announce that I think this right. Ajahn Liam, who is Ajahn Tav's successor, is speaking in Redwood City at Insight Meditation Center uh-huh. this Saturday from seven thirty to nine. Mm-hmm. So, people are interested, do you know anything more about him? I I only know that
0: he has is, has been the abbot of of Wat and sort of the. The, the uber abbot of a number of monasteries in Thailand since Ajahn Chah's death. So Ajahn Chah was the great meditation teacher who was Jack Kornfield's teacher and Ajahn Sumedho's teacher. So he's sort of like he's sort of like my grandfather, meditation teacher. I never had the great blessing of meeting him, um, and Ajahn Liam um, has taken his place. Has been visiting up at the at Giri monastery for a while. He'll be at Spirit Rock Monday evening as well although I don't imagine any of you will get up there for that. So Redwood City is a lot closer.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. So just to mention that the dhana baskets are on the table for offering for both supporting the sangha and the teachings. And with that, we will move into some loving-kindness practice. So sit, sit just as you are. Don't rearrange yourself. <laughs> it's really good practice, you know, Stephen Levine used to do this practice where he'd wake up in the morning and he would stay however he was positioned, however he felt for a period of time to do practice. And if you think about how you are when you wake up in the morning sometimes, your arm's asleep and it's under here and you really have to pee. And he would lie there and practice that way or maybe you're too hot or too cold or whatever. But he would lie there and practice because his feeling was we don't always get to be in the nice posture. And it's important to learn how to be present wherever circumstances put us. So it's useful sometimes when we have these little bits at the end. Just stay the way you are. Don't rearrange yourself. Because you don't have to be all proper to do this. So, however you are, take a breath. Feel your body sitting. And extend some goodwill and some kindness, some friendliness into your own body. You can do this with a phrase of kindness and goodwill. You can do it with an image. You can do it just with the breath, breathing friendliness into every cell. Let yourself be aware of the other people seated (coughs) in the room and begin to let your friendliness and goodwill extend outward from your being toward each person here again with a phrase or an image or the breath knowing that each person here wants to come to an end of suffering in the same way that you do begin to move on out even out from this building on out to all of the people whom you know and love in all of their various circumstances and then extending it to all people and to all of the beings who share this world with us and then on out to all beings in all realms, known and unknown. And then, last of all, we gather up all of the goodness, all of the merit of our time of practice, all of its blessing. We take this goodness in for ourselves, enjoying it, being nourished by it, and then we take it and we give it all away, Offering it to all beings That all beings may come to awakening Not one left behind So I'd like to invite you To take a moment and find somebody near you That you either, preferably that you don't know But maybe you do And either get to know them a little better Or find out who they are